and welcome back to another episode of the Second Row Podcast. My name is Park Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Ushin Collins. Hi, Park. How are you doing? How are you enjoying your summer? It's been a really good summer. I can't handle the heat, though. Like, this heat and me, I'm, I'm dying. Yeah, we now live in the north, 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 north Mediterranean. Yeah, not a fan. I am not a fan. I, I'll be honest. Oh, I, I, I do like the summer weather, but I, my, uh, my attire has gone kind of from... Well, it's gone rapidly downhill. I'm, I'm operating as a vest-based life form at the moment. You, Yeah, I know. Like, the thing is, anytime I've bought something vaguely summery, Connemara got that little bit worse. <laughs> so what you're saying is that if we just buy you Aaron jumpers from now until the end of time, we can live in the tropics? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Excellent. And for anyone who are new to the second row, don't forget we are available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, all podcast apps, Google Podcast, and despite the regular season being over, we have a special episode for you covering the Sevens World Cup. That's right, Pork. So we take a look at the performance of the two Irish teams in it. Uh, apologies if anyone thought this was going to be a full expose of all hundred and whatever games this weekend. Both the Irish guys had an impressive competition, but before we get into that, a couple of pieces in news. Yeah, a very big one, really. Sam Warburton has retired. Yeah, that was kind of the big news story this week, and you know, 29 years old, What a, when you look back at the career he's had, that's, he's captained the Lions twice, he's won a tour in Australia, um, a really impressive guy, like, but look at the injuries he's racked up as well. He has injured every single part of his body, I'm pretty sure, isn't that the gist of it? He's a bit of a $6 million man, like there's a couple of good uh, images doing the rounds with, you know lines and injuries and dates to everything but it's just a shame that someone so talented has called time so early yeah i know exactly what you mean uh, the thing is you wouldn't call him the best seven in the world but i think his overall presence on the pitch is what elevates him to that world-class status well i think he's probably one of the best captains if you look at it that way i mean his his decision making there was always that question i mean you could go back to you know, during the World Cup with the Dell and Roland red card. And there's been a couple of good high profile moments, but he's his captaining in particular of Wales and the Lions has been outstanding. It's it's actually just a shame that in his time with Cardiff they were pretty unsuccessful in the L trophy department, you know? Yeah, well, that's kind of a Welsh club failing in general, though, really, isn't it? A bit, but he was never going to take home any kind of major honours there. So just as well, he he managed to rack up a few on the international stage. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of international moves, um, Ben Foden looks like he's off to Major League Rugby. Yeah, so this is a kind of a funny one. Just barely fell short of making some massive club record in the last game of the season. And I think a few people were, were wondering whether a Premiership club would pick him up or one of the European ones. But uh, Ben Foden looks like he's going to be lining up for New York in Major League Rugby next year, which would be one of their bigger high-profile signings, actually. Uh, he'd have to be the biggest player playing in that league. I think probably on reputation, yeah. I mean, obviously, they've got a lot of young talent starting to come through, but you know, it's it's almost it's equivalent to the likes of Robbie Keane signing for LA Galaxy in the soccer. It's a bit of a retirement ground, but he's probably still got miles on the clock, and it's a nice way to help boost the profile of the game in the States. So... Um, Sounds good from my point of view. It's effectively what the Kiwi guys do in Japan and some of the Australians. So it's nice to see it kind of helping. I think it will help the US market more than it helps Japan. Absolutely. And I suppose from a Kiwi perspective and a nice segue into the main body of our event, the New Zealand Sevens teams doing the double-double at the World Cup Sevens in San Francisco. So both their women's and their men's team have now won back-to-back rugby world cups at sevens for i think the first time that's ever happened the black ferns are 
Women's World Cup in 15s holders. The men are holding the 15s World Cup as well. Like, they are just ruling rugby at the moment. Yeah, the level of dominance is just extraordinary. And especially in the women's game, as they're putting all the elements in place to really have a dynasty of a team and with professionalism, who knows how long they're going to be on top. Yeah, watch this space, but I don't expect it to change anytime soon. Um, I guess professionalism is a nice little segue into into the first of what we wanted to talk about. So I guess let's chat about the women's team first, who came into this competition seated as ninth. Um, so, you know, from that, you're kind of saying outside shot at the cup, but really should be should be coming home with, with you know, the challenge title at best. Um, and what a, what a first game. Yeah, like in all fairness... England have a professional team. Just like New Zealand. They they tend to beat, especially this more professional side, the series size beat Ireland on a more regular basis. But to beat them nineteen fourteen was incredible and they did it so they did it well, I gotta say. So I caught the highlights of this and this was a win that was all based around pressure. Like the, the Irish team was just all over the English girls for for the full run of the game. It was it, they, they just didn't give them a minute of space on the ball. It was like I, was, I watched the full thing and it was the most unorthodox defense I've ever seen in my life. It's just, just chase them down, chase them down, chase them down. It's as if someone mm-hmm. actually put that Paul O'Connell speech from the Lions on before the match because that's how they were tackling that pure fear of God in your face. You are going to put pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, pushed back constantly like that England team were expected to challenge you know with the likes of New Zealand and Australia the, the the top teams at the competition yeah they were like and to be honest if you look back at the the seven series there's they have good reason for it they have a very good team but Ireland on their day and this is the men's and women's when everything clicks for them we are as good as those top tier teams but we're at that level where we can dip our toe in the water beat a team and come back down again and look we did that well I mean the second half in particular showed a lot of grit and determination but uh, unfortunately where that put us was straight into the cup quarterfinals and a tricky fixture against the top ranked team in the competition which was of course New Zealand tricky fixtures of unfair term yeah it it makes actual tricky fixtures look like competitive uh, outings so look 45 nil there's not really a whole lot more to say about that but it's hard to it's hard to apportion a whole lot of blame to the girls. You've kind of got to take the context of that New Zealand won the World Cup. And if you take that as a point of like, all oh, right, yeah, they're that good. We got beaten by that team. It's not that it's fine. I don't think any team wants to lose. And you definitely don't want to lose by that scoreline. But you kind of expected the loss. Yeah, when when you and I were sitting down looking at the draw beforehand, we were nearly thinking, so if we lose to England, we'll get an easier run of games that that, that might end up with a, you know, a challenge trophy. But fair play, beat England into the cup quarters and then play the favourites uh, and get uh, pretty roundly dumped back out. So uh, to be expected. That's true, but it put us on a run to a better overall position, which I think is better for us than a silverware for 10th yeah look we, we, we lose to England and um, the best we can do is match our seeding position of 9 so as it is we're now into the runoff for 5th and up against Russia who we've had a couple of times this year in the 7th series and it's been a bit of a bogey team but really good result here you know Russia who are currently seeded 4th in the competition would have been a contender um, obviously got knocked out in their own quarter final as well uh, came in with a point to prove and 
Ireland did the business, 20 points to 15. A good win. We beat them recently in Paris in the Challenge Final. You know, we know how to beat this team. Yes, they are a good team and they are of a good standard, but Ireland would have no fear for them and they played like that. Yeah, and, you know, I was a little bit surprised when I went back and reviewed the seedings. Fourth, for me, flatters this Russian team. I think there are better teams in the competition. And to beat them and to give us that chance in the fifth, sixth playoff versus Spain is perfect. And, you know, that was all that matters at the end of the day. It was. And I guess that's kind of where we come to the, the down tilt. Like, nothing so far has been a disappointing result. Like, the, even the loss to New Zealand and the scale of it was one that you could write off. But losing the way that we did, uh, seven points to 12 against Spain, having been drawing at half time, is just really disappointing. And Ireland, you'd have to feel, should have won this game. Yeah, like feels like it didn't get out the blocks, didn't get our game plan going. And in sevens, you've got to play your game and you have to be on top to win. You know, it's very rare that you win a match by kind of always nicking a try and always kind of counter punching. You kind of need to be in control and need to convert. Yeah, and like Spain isn't a team that we should have any fear of. We've played them three times this year and we've beaten them in the last two times relatively well on one of those occasions. So. I think they possibly just wanted it more or were more up for it or just, as you said, had a better day at the office. But after after such a couple of good performances in there, like beating Russia relatively solidly, beating England, this would have been the cherry on top, you know? Let's be honest. It's the highest women's finish in a World Cup. It is a good result. It's a good finish. It could have been better. I think that will always be the asterisk on it. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, it didn't need to be that much better. But I think when once you go out of the top four teams, that fifth place in the world is well within our range. It's well within the, the, the reach of this women's squad. So I think for me, you know, if you want to give it a, a school grade, it's probably a B minus, you know, good, above average, but not quite getting what we needed. Yeah, but like, once again, you have to remember, it is the best result an Irish women's team have got at the World Cup. So it's always building. It's always going in the right direction. Credit where it's due. So also going in the right direction was the men's team this weekend. Uh, really, you know, standard enough result against Chile. A bit of a slow start, though. So 17-12 in the end. That Yeah, I, like, I tried to watch as much of these matches live as possible. But it was really difficult given the time. San Francisco was a really awkward place to have a tournament for global audiences has to be yeah and i was another hour further on in spain so i, I caught even less of it <laughs> yeah like i i stayed up for this one and then i really um, misjudged my nighttime alarms for the rest <laughs> so i i can't do gmt minus seven hope auric <laughs> i know but like we won but a bad start oh it was just terrible the chili try was almost straight away just too easy too just one step and he was through after that, you really need the team to bounce back. Yeah, and we scored straight away. Conroy, I have issues with Conroy as a player, especially at sevens, which we'll get to later on. But his presence on the pitch creates space for everyone. And him being there drew two defenders and Keenan got in and we were back level. See, that's the thing about having a player, whatever about, you know, having to double up on someone like Bundiaki at, you know, 15s. If you double up on a player at sevens level, you end up leaving half a pitch. <laughs> yeah. And you know we were we like we got we scraped through that match effectively. We were just forced so much. I think you could really tell the lads were nervous. I'd say it's their biggest match to date, their first World Cup match, really. Certainly the biggest stage, absolutely. Yeah, and we were forcing it a lot. Made so many mistakes, knock-ons, just wrong decisions. 
But you, but you know what? It was it was a pre-qualifier round. All we had to do was go in there, get the win out of the way, and move on. And uh, what do we move on into? The Blitzbox, the top yeah. seeded men's team at the tournament. I'm telling you, whoever did the draw hated Ireland as a country <laughs> for both sexes. Yeah, we, we, we really did not have any luck on the draw. No, but look, we lost. 45 points conceded, but at least we got a try this time. It was expected. Like, you saw the draw... It was expected. I don't care what anyone says. We're losing to that team. I would have liked a better performance, but we're losing to that team. Well, this is it. Like my, myself and um, and Andrew, uh, our faithful researcher, were were chatting about the likely outcomes before this, and I reckon that South Africa were going to go all the way. And you know, they they got the bronze medal. They finished in third place. But this is a serious side. So I I we we kind of agreed that. Without blind optimism, neither Andrew or I could see us getting past South Africa. Well, look, it just meant that we had a, the Challenge Trophy to aim for. You're aiming for ninth. That is a good position for this team to be in, given they're not a, a core nation. They don't have core team status on the seventh circuit. They're still building. It's a relatively new setup. So, absolutely, that's that's who we should be competing with. And we still had a tough draw next. We came up against Kenya, um, who were ninth seeded in the competition. Uh, and put them away, 24 points to 14. But like you have to say, this Kenyan team would have been a bit demoralised. They lost to Scotland in the previous round. You know, that's hard to come back from, especially when you're expecting to win. Yeah, and, and that Kenya team are good, and I think they would have been disappointed. Scotland are, are good at a sevens level, but Kenya would have really targeted that game against Scotland. Um, if anybody is looking to see a perfect expo of sevens rugby, Go find footage of Scotland v Kenya, by the way, because that is one of the games of the tournament. Fair enough. I'll have to check it out. And we'll move on to our Challenge Trophy semi-final. <laughs> Against Wales. So it, it's starting to get to, you know, similar similar sounding names that we recognise. Um, Wales didn't have a great tournament this time, but they have been playing well lately. Like they were challenge finalists in the last two Sevens series events in Paris and London. Yeah. and But the thing is, Ireland have been beating them. You know, like I know they are higher ranked than us, but we do tend to beat this Welsh team. True. And I mean, you know, they may have been challenge finalists in the last two competitions, but we've been off on our cup runs in both of those as well. I, like th- this wasn't a surprise to me when when I saw we had Wales in the semi-final. I, I was pretty comfortable we were going to win this. It put us on track for a tasty uh, final in all fairness. Yeah, particularly after the summer series against Australia. Uh, nice to get the Aussies back in front of us on a pitch again. And they they can't really be looking forward to playing anything in green at the moment. No, and especially in stadiums that sound like they're Ireland, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, like Australia were having a terrible tournament before this game started, and it didn't get any better. Like they'd already been knocked out, so France had had to come through a pre qualification game where they put eight tries past a pretty dejected looking Jamaican team. But Australia didn't have to qualify, but then came up against France, who basically had a warm-up game on the Friday, um, and they knocked them out of the cup. Yeah, like I can say, Australia did not expect to be in this situation. But on the day, Ireland showed up and bet them. The scoreline doesn't seem it, but it's actually a convincing win. I saw a couple of really good tries here, and you consider as well, Jordan Conroy, who has been creating, if not the, the most points or the most tries he's been creating a ton of space for that irish team and he was off after what two minutes yeah effectively came off for hia after two minutes um 
he was well marshaled in the two minutes he was on. Like you could really see Australia mm. keeping an eye on him. Great breakdown the wing though. I mean, he was just just scragged. Yeah, that would have been another one for his highlight reel if he'd got him. Well, directly from the kickoff as well. It was just electric. But see, the thing is, that was something Aaron controlled for the full game. The restarts. We were doing a pure up and smash back on every single restart. I'd say the stats will show that we won 90% of all restarts. It's a very much a sevens tactic. Watch Fiji. Every kickoff is landing just beyond the 10 meter line and they don't give a crap about winning the ball. They're just slapping it back on their own side because they're breaking mm. the pitch up and it just breaks the defensive line straight away. Everyone's out of position and that's where they get most of their tries from. And like there was a couple of good tries. I mean, I think probably the best try and possibly one of the tries of the tournament was that one from O'Brien during the uh, during the first half. Uh, I, I'd like to call that a try of two holy crap moments. Holy crap, Kennedy, what the hell are you doing throwing a pass like that? Then, holy crap, O'Brien, what a break, step, and balance to get through. <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe he held his balance. I was just like, he could have did that, like, his legs are too big for his body, I'm going to fall over and trip over my own head, but then just somehow managed to right himself. It was, uh, it was nice. All the core strength. <laughs> All of it. But you know what? That was a, a real coming of age for this team, who've had a couple of brilliant moments this year on the Sevens Tour, uh, obviously beating England for the bronze final in um, in London. And you look at it, in your first World Cup, to finish in ninth place, coming seeded in a 16th, that's pretty good. And with a trophy to take home as well. So I think what's going on there, uh, what's going on there, letter home to the teacher? B plus, A minus? B plus. I, I, you know, you'd like to see them just do better against South Africa before, you know, and they weren't in the cup competition. Let's be perfectly honest. We have to hold the men and the women to the same standard. That's fair. We'll give, we'll give them a B plus because I think in terms of success over expectation, probably a little bit more. Um, and like I said, got to their, got to their final for their best possible place and won it. Uh, which unfortunately the girls uh, didn't do this time around. But look, I think I think it it shows that the IRFU have got some really good potential there if they continue to invest in the sevens game. Uh, we're still awaiting the production of the report around the review of the women's and sevens game in Ireland, which I think is due in September. So we'll read that with interest. I think not just about what happens to the women's game in this country, but what the fa- what the plans are for the sevens game as well. Um, there's clearly a lot of potential there, though. Yeah, there is. And I think there just needs to be a system where the sevens teams are just playing sevens. Like, if you look at some of the defense, I don't think some of those players will make the step to 15s if they defend like that. And how long can you give someone to get their defense better? Like, mm. you'd like to see some of the really good tournaments or sevens around Ireland. They are proper festivals of rugby, kind of being coordinated. The club teams around Ireland putting sevens teams together and having a, a proper league would end the season blow off, you know, like the HSB well, there's, two, there's two ways that it tends to go, but you look at the likes of the Fiji guys, they're playing 15s all year and they're the best sevens team on the planet versus the likes of the English guys who are exclusively playing in a sevens format for the most time until they move on. The likes of Marcus Watson was sevens forever and then he got a contract in the 15s game. So I think there's different ways to manage it and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Ireland decides is right for us. I do think it's a mix and match. I think the academy is are the best spaces for those decisions to be made. So I think mm. that's got to be a part of it. But 
I don't think it's going to help the women's side of things because the men the men are well looked after, you know. But I don't think it's going to help the women's side of things having the sevens and fifteens so intrinsically linked like that. I think we need to try and reduce the overlap a little bit. I mean, if it's fifteens at club level and then you're coming up to play, you're either part of the national seven setup or part of the national fifteen setup. That at least seems logical to me. Yeah, like have a seven squad and a fifteen squad, and then everyone else we're picking from the pool. Yeah, but look, what do we know? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, in all fairness, I know it's summer, like the World Cup has happened, but there is other rugby around. Yeah, we had to go to the other half of the world where it's actually winter to get some rugby. And uh, Super Rugby had their quarterfinals this weekend. Pretty predictable results all around. Um, first up, Ronan O'Gara's Crusaders hammered, hammered the Sharks. Um, and then in the what's becoming an annual New Zealand derby in the quarters, because they just qualify so many teams... The uh, Hurricanes just snuck past the Chiefs. Uh, that would have been a close game, but, you know, I think probably on paper, better team going through as well. And like, you know, as kind of expected, the Lions beat the Haguaris. You know, those two teams meet a lot, but the home team tends to win. Particularly at altitude. Yeah. And the Waratahs recovered to overcome the Highlanders. See, that was the only one that surprised me because the Highlanders, on nearly every way you can measure that, are a better team. But again, and as we see every year in the Super Rugby quarterfinals, especially home advantage, so important. Yeah, like especially between countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like it's the difference between you know uh, the RDS and Thomond. But you know the semi-finals are going to be great. I can't wait. Like Crusaders against Hurricanes, big New Zealand derby, and then the Lions against the Waratahs up in Johannesburg, like cracking games yeah like for me it's crusaders are going to win the whole thing out i just think they are that good a unit of players this year absolutely and i don't think anyone is going to beat the lions at home it just it doesn't happen um and i certainly don't think the waratahs having come through that game against the highlanders will have enough to do it this year so for me it's a crusaders lions final um crusaders to win it and given the fact we won't talk again until august that seems like something you can hide from if it doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I'm sure you'll find a way to blame me for it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to a second row top performer for the Sevens World Cup and our clown of the round. And you've picked our top performer. Yeah, so uh, a lot of the time this we tend to wax lyrical over Jordan Conroy in terms of the seven setup. But this this uh, competition, he was actually outscored. So Billy Dardis for Ireland uh, got the same number of tries as Jordan Conroy but also knocked over six conversions, which put him as the second highest individual scorer at the World Cup. So just recognising that accomplishment um, for Billy Dardis, that was really impressive stuff, and uh, he's our top performer. He had a really, really good tournament. What about you, Porik? You had to go for our clown of the round this time. Well, the thing is, I put down, and this is actually a count, like it's really weird to say this opposite from what you said, but I put down Conroy. Okay. But it's not. But it's not actually Conroy. I think it's more of a sevens thing in general. But I'm going to frame it within Conroy. Okay. He's incredible going forward, but his defense is just shocking. Our players not taught how to defend against defend, because like every there's so many players that you just see run down the line and just get shoved off defensively. Like, has no one taught you to slap down that arm <laughs> and then hit them with your shoulder? Yeah. Like this, I'm I'm framing it in Conroy, but it's such a sevens thing that people just fended far too easily. It's really annoying. <laughs> so getting poked in the face is your clown of the round. Pretty much, like slap his hand away, slap his hand away, please, just slap his hand away. Nope, sounds good. Maybe he can work on practicing that for next season. Well, like for the Conroy fans who just love watching him play, it's 
a real thing of why he's not playing 15s. Yeah, and there's one more round where Conroy can try to show off those skills in the Rugby Europe Grand Prix 7s, something, something. You know, that last round of the qualifiers to try and get our core status for the men's team as well. Uh, that's mainly done in the Hong Kong 7s. So, like, it's that one is a warm up and aim for Hong Kong. Bit of practicing time, so. Exactly. And let's hope it's something that all the Irish team have kind of went, that's something we kind of do. Yeah. Let's do that less. Absolutely. And uh, time for us to go and do some practicing as well, Park. Yeah, in August, we'll be releasing some preview episodes for the upcoming Pro 14 season. So keep in touch with us on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on Twitter where we're at the second row. That is 2ND and not the word second. Like, give us any suggestions, things you want to talk about leading up to the new season. So until then, take care and enjoy the rest of your summer. Bye-bye.